Jesus Christ, dude. Is that the longest piss in the world or what? Nothing was set up. I'm just plugging the mic in right now. Oh, I thought you meant in the bathroom. I was like, I just go in and pee. I don't do all that weird shit like you. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Woff. Terminal Velocity. Is this 1994 or 94, right? 1994. 1994. Gosh, Charlie Sheen, man. The height of his powers, or <laughs> slightly thereafter. So, yeah. I can't believe he got $5 million for this movie. This doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it was a lot of money for, you know, 93 when they shot it. Yeah, and also, I mean, he was the draw, man. I mean, he was still a draw at that point. Right. Coming off of uh, those Oliver Stone movies, Hot Shots was a big hit, made a lot of money for the studio. But I think he had, there definitely was a point right around that time where he was not, he's fallen out of favor with studios as far as serious pictures. Right. I mean, I think it all started with the chase. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's the Heidi Fleiss thing is what kind of threw him into, uh, threw him out of the studios was that that whole thing went down. Yeah. It was a combination of that and it was that, and, and it was this cavalier attitude about it. And, and you don't even have to be paying attention to him back then to, to go, ooh, Charlie Sheen being cavalier. Right. He's always been that way and he always will be. But man, he looks so damn young in this movie because he was, was he 27, 28? 27, 28, probably. So he's a few years older than us, and he, I, I don't recall him ever looking more like his dad than he does in this movie. It's the haircut, it's just, I mean, oh, everything, yeah, everything totally. about it. I was yeah. like, fuck, he's got good hair, man. Right? <laughs> those, sh- those sheens. <laughs> the sheens, man. They all have good hair. All of them, mostly. Yeah, because he was born in 65, so yeah, he was probably 28, but yes, he does. He looks He looks a lot like Martin in... Uh, you know, Apocalypse Now or even, you know, go back to like Badlands. But yeah, man, this yeah. is like uh, this is like where he looks like a clone. And we have an interesting cast here, too. Yeah, you, know, you got Asasia Kinski in it. You got a very young James Gandolfini. And of course, this is this is just a one year after he did True Romance. So he looks a lot like he does in that movie. Maybe he's a little bit heavier in True Romance than he is in this. Right. You yeah. Got- I mean, this is. This is part of the breakout party. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This, David Tui wrote this. He's, right. you know, he's written a few things here and there, right? Pitch Black. He created the whole Riddick series. And, uh, and he, that badass submarine movie known as Below. Below. The Arrival with Charlie Sheen, too, right? And the Arrival, yeah, yeah. And this was so funny about this movie. In a lot of ways, the way he, way Charlie plays off in this movie, it just, it reminds me of like, is this Hot Shots part trois? It just it feels, I don't know, it just feels like he uh, he's playing it that way. He's just kind of just giving it up. Oh, but man, I still can't get, I mean, I know I said this once already, but man, I can't believe how much money he made. I was going to say, the thing about this movie, which I, I want to just say, I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. I, lo- I did then and I still do. And watching it, I watched it twice. The thing about it 
is I got to say, I enjoyed watching this about 10 times more than I did watching Con Air. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I just feel like Con Air is so bloated and has so many things going on and so many like stupid subplots. But this movie is like pretty lean. It's like a late 80s, early 90s action starts and it goes. And there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of talking. (laughs) It's all useful. Right. And another weird thing too for this movie is this is still the era of the rated R action movie. And this wasn't. This is PG-13. So this was a, a, a change of pace. Because, you know, the the days of the, uh, you know, what you're expecting from a Bruckheimer Simpson or uh, a Joel Silver picture, a rated R action movie, where there's lots of blood and carnage, you don't see that stuff. In fact, you know, a key moment in this movie, which should be fairly gory, isn't. (laughs) Right. And I still attribute a little bit of its failure in the box office to, well, what it went up against. It's a $50 million movie. Exactly. Which is bizarre. Right, because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where it is. I have to go with maybe Buddy Lee Hooker and his stunt team probably got a big chunk of that, other than the five million. Yeah, man, and there's a there's a lot of like aerial. I mean, there's a lot of aerial top notch aerial photography. Seriously, and, yeah. Um, it looks like it. It doesn't look like a cheap movie. That's the thing. It doesn't look cheap. So no. they they put money in it where it needed to go. Right. And it wasn't it a hol. Was it? It's Disney, really, right? It's Hollywood. Hollywood pictures. pictures. Yeah, this was their, yeah. yeah, they had their, the touchstone stuff was the family friendly things. And the Hollywood pictures were like the Bruckheimer Simpson type of things like, and like this, the action fair, trying to get the teenage boys in the seats as opposed to trying to get the family in the seats or the parents. Right. Uh, you got an interesting cast again, like Gandolfini and not, not Klaus, Klaus, <laughs> Natasha Kinski, Charlie, of course. And Christopher McDonald's in it, and he plays the heavy. And you and I were kind of like exchanging texts. I guess I never thought about it before, even though I was plenty drunk on Lethal Weapon up up until that point for a good seven years. But it didn't hit me until I watched this last time that Christopher McDonald's character, Kerr, is basically Mr. Joshua. He's like Mr. Joshua Light. Very light. Yeah. And as a, you know, Busey kind of plays it like super subtle in Lethal Weapon. Very controlled man. The whole lighter scene, of course, is just kind of sell you what kind of mental focus this man has. McDonald's Kerr in this thing, he's completely the opposite. He's not just over the top. He, like you said to me, he screams his lines every yeah, scene. It, it's, it's annoying. I mean, I, look, I'm going to give him a pass because he's Shooter McGavin, but he's not good in this movie. <laughs> he's And it's it only stands out because everybody is good in Every, it. Or, everybody else is good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not. No. Is, which is really weird. Uh, and yeah, it's, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It does matter because it comes up a whole bunch. But um, watch the trailer afterwards. And I, we exchanged uh, some communication about the trailer as well. Dude, the trailer comes off like it's a total, like it's cliffhanger. Yep. Like weird, the whole right? thing, like we're in that the she falls out of the plane. And he thinks that, you know, like she, like he was standing right there when she fell, as opposed to standing up, checking with the pilot. Um, it's just a bunch of really weird moments like that in the trailer. Like it's, it feels so weird. The trailer tries to say it's like five or six different movies, which is fair, right. I guess, because when you see Terminal Velocity, it takes from about five or six movies in the whole. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I would also say, uh, going back to your Lethal Weapon, the score, man. There, totally. there are, dude. 
the, there's this part, there's a piece of the score here when they're shooting. I don't want to, I mean, whatever. When, when they, uh, when they kill the pilot, her friend, you right. know, Gandolfini. Oh, now we learned that whole thing right. where the score is, sounds exactly. I mean, it's dead on the score piece from lethal weapon. Yeah. When Mr. Joshua shoots Tom Atkins from the helicopter, right. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, did they, they didn't even try. It's no. the same. No. And I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but doesn't the trailer use the whole, that, that classic lethal weapon. Yeah. Snarky, yes. uh, you know, side stick. Um, yes. That, that, that cue. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, but I'm not shitting on the movie cause I love lethal weapons. No, so, I mean, no, no, I, I, love this. I agree. It's, it, it's so funny cause, and that's what kind of makes it feel so familiar. It doesn't, it, it's not until you're in the movie quite a bit before you kind of go, wait, 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 where, where's Murtaugh? Where's Riggs? Right. Cause you, cause that's when you realize, oh my gosh, they're totally biting on Michael Kamen's score right here. This is ridiculous. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, there's a couple other, before we move off of the actors, there's a couple other fun people that pop up in this. Um, one is, I think you said Melvin Van Peebles. Yeah. And then Rance Howard. <laughs> Yes. Pops up later. <laughs> and uh, and I got to say, maybe my favorite Rance Howard performance. He's so great in it. He's it's so, he, he's it's so, so perfect. ridiculously awesome. Yeah, he's so perfectly aw shucks in that whole scene where he gets, he gets, he has some one moment where he's not aw shucks. He's kind of like business where he says, can I see your ID? And after that, it's just, <laughs> yeah, just like, he oh, just comes, he's completely convinced. <laughs> right. It's like he walked out of hee haw. Right. It's so good. Um, also, Sophia Shyness as Broken Leg Max, who uh, we may remember from The Crow. Yes. And not much else. But no. there she is. And it's a good gag because she's got two broken legs. It's funny is, again, I'll, I'll, I'll refer back to Troy one more time. The opening of the movie, and this is kind of where we're about to go to right now, so it's a good lead-in. The girl you see at the beginning of the movie, they use her in the trailer when she's getting smacked around. Right. And but they make it look like it's Kinski. They're 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 kind of alluding to that it's being it's her because you never see the girl's face. And on top of the fact, the girl looks a lot like her, a lot like right. her. Right. Oh yeah. And that was intentional, obviously. <laughs> well, for many reasons. Right. And actually, it's a plot point in the in the movie. So the woman that we're talking about here, this is kind of where the movie opens up. You get your almost like the, that crazy score, like when you first see Riggs at the beginning, where he's sitting in his RV, you know, yeah. sitting in his trailer. It's like, or not even better yet. It sounds like the string cue that you see with Amanda Hunsaker. When you see her up there, it's that kind of thing where they kind of come floating in. It's a lot like that because you just see her driving down some dark road you can't tell if it's desert you can't tell what's going on by the way i have the kino um blu-ray that i got in the last batch of stuff that we got and it's a great transfer it's really nice um even like i said even that crappy trailer is great nothing else on there oh there, there, there was a commentary from some film critic i forgot what it was but oh yeah yeah but the picture looks great it looks really good it hasn't looked as good ever which is awesome nope it doesn't look that good on my dvd i can tell you that <laughs> postage stamp if you have the dvd you got postage Good stamp God. it's not it even 16 by 9 screen. right it says widescreen right on the box but right. i guess tvs have gotten too big so it's like it's a big rectangular stamp that's yeah. like postage stamp it's the it's the worst oh it sucks yeah now so you can complain about that you can complain about that when people complain about oh what's with the black boxes hey you deserve to complain about this one because i want to what's with the black pillars it's bullshit 
Yeah, man, totally. I mean, but uh, you know, that being said, it's it's still a pretty decent transfer on that DV that DVD. I mean, it's that DVD's got to be twenty years old or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this car is just like rolling down a dark. You can't tell she's in the desert. It's dusty, but you just assume it's what's going on. There's no light anywhere other than the light from her car. All right, right. obviously, and, her, and she's on the phone. Yeah. Which is, again, it's kind of weird, right? Defer to be on the phone driving in 1994. Not a, lot of cell, not a lot of cell phone usage back then. <laughs> no, uh, not a lot at all. But hey, man, you know, they, they had it, so it did exist. She's yammering about something. You have no idea what the hell's going on. And out of nowhere, <laughs> lights you just come out of nowhere and this plane... This Boeing 747 practically lands on top of her. And it's a great audio cue because not only did the lights come up, but the lights and the sound of the jet all come in at once. I remember being in the theater and being like, what the fuck? It was a great, it was a great reveal because you kind of like, you're, you're confused about what's going on because you just see her driving and talking. You don't, you don't, you don't know where she is. Or what at, she's doing or, or who she's she doing. Is. And just to have that airplane plane come out of nowhere, it's like, what? And she sees the plane land and that's that. They cut to, you know, her to a, a next thing you knew. It's just, you don't know it's the same girl <laughs> right away. It's at night and you see the balcony. Speaking of Amanda Hunsacker in a balcony. Right. And she's on the phone and she's yammering about, hey, you know, I saw the plane land. I don't really know. Look at the tire marks on top of my hood. You know? Right. <laughs> You're starting to get a little bit more information now. Like, All right. Well, what's, there? there's the key element not even a MacGuffin in me, but here's the key element in the entire movie is this. What the hell is on this plane? What was this plane doing? Right. Is it a drug plane? We don't know. And in this time, you know, 94, drug planes make sense, right? Yeah, totally, man. I mean, you know, Serafian had just made gunmen the, the year earlier. They cut, we cut into the side of the apartment and, you know, she's getting ready to go take a shower and she gets off the phone with somebody. I, again, assuming she's on the phone with the same person she was on when she was driving. We don't know. We never see anybody on right the other end of the, the phone or hear them for that matter. Which I fucking love. I hate the fact. I hate when movies feel like they have to, like, show the other side of the phone call. Yep. Or even even hearing the other person. And right. obviously they, they didn't want to reveal who the other person was because we'll eventually right. figure out who the other person is. If you're paying attention, Yes. Yes. It's not a hard movie to follow. <laughs> it's not. Thank God. So she's getting, she goes, I'm going to go hop in the shower. You know, then we start seeing some shadowy figures down the hallway when she goes into the bathroom. But she hears the noise and she comes out and grabs a revolver and starts getting her ass kicked by some dude that broke into her house. Right. In it's some faceless hood at first. And um, she kind of kicks his ass a little bit and picks up her gun and starts making a run for it. And then she's clotheslined by a second by sh- assailant. Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin. Christian Mc- McDonald playing Kerr with the blondest hair you ever see. This is the moment where I watched this the other day. I'm like, my gosh, he is Mr. Joshua in this movie. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though, is that that does that hair, man, it's very telling of 1994 because oh, I yeah. had the same fucking hair in 1994. Really? And- Oh, yeah, I got pictures, dude. Uh, really? Nothing like the one you just shared with me, right? No. <laughs> Melody thought that was a great picture. She goes, Oh, yeah. And she goes, Was he on the set for a Belle DeVoe video? I wish. <laughs> uh, no. Anyway, wait, it's an, for another time. 
But yeah, it was. It's weird seeing it, it, the hair like this, and we're a year away from Shooter McGavin because he's not going to do Happy Gilmore for another year. Nineteen ninety six, almost two years. Two years, yeah, yeah, that's right. Because yeah, because the year before that was it ninety four, ninety five that Billy Madison came out. Ninety five. Oh, I too. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember, eh, probably ninety five. I yeah. would say. Yeah, because I was at the I was working at the video store when it came out, and we got the screener for it. But it, I don't remember if it came out the end of '94 towards the end, or if it came out '95. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But you know, this is a face that that we knew from what Thelma and Louise. Probably Thelma and Louise, yeah. I would say at that point, and maybe he was in this. He was in any Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, were we already at? Was Grumpy Old Men already out at that point? Yeah, ninety three. Okay, because I get mixed up with Grumpy because that came out a couple of years later. I think he was in Fatal Instinct. Is maybe what I knew him from. But there's <laughs> some. There's something else. Um. <laughs> Fatal Instinct. Well, here's the thing about Chris Chris McDonald in this, especially in this movie, and the reason why his performance stands out the way it does, <laughs> not for the better, he doesn't play parts like this. He usually no. pers- he usually just plays a douchebag. Like I just finished Ballers on HBO. I just finished it up, and he's been playing the the Dallas Cowboys owner for the the last you know five years of the show. And right. so that's usually who he's playing in Dirty Jobs. He's playing that douchebag slumlord in there with the, with the dog because he's always played that kind. Of, he just played a douche again, Dude. Shooter McGavin, just a douche, but not. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he not Goose in Grease Two? Yes, he was. All right. Well, there we go. Mystery solved. By the way, <laughs> Grease Two almost was covered this week, but neither one of us owns the movie for some dumb Correct. reason. <laughs> Because, dude, you can't get the Blu-ray just by itself. You got to buy a two-pack. Like, I already got Grease, and it's it's the lesser of the two movies. Don't make me buy it again just so I get the movie I want. Yeah, somebody should just put out a, like, you know, I feel Shop Factory's uh, on that case for Grease, too. I'm sure yeah. within the next year or so. Do it. Yeah. We'll get one. I hope so, because really, it, we, need, we need it. So, again, Shooter McGavin being... <laughs> Being the the ruffian that he is, or we're gonna soon find out, he's just torturing this girl, just trying to get out information, trying to find out where her roommate is. Yeah, he's drowning her in the fish tank. And so we're like, wait, okay, so maybe that's who she was talking to on the phone. Maybe that was her roommate. Again, we don't know. We never heard a voice. <laughs> we don't know if it's a male or a female. We don't know anything. And he's like, and he ends up drowning. Like you said he drowns her in the aquarium. He just kind of throws her ass back in the shower. <laughs> just. It's such a weird setup. Dude, what he says, they'll think she drowned in the shower. I'm like, yeah. who the fuck drowns in the shower? Fucking it, dummy. It's not a super cerebral movie to begin with, but when you have moments like that, you're like going, oh my gosh, we're six minutes in. Is this what we're going to get the whole way? And fortunately, right. it kind of, it, it, it writes itself a little bit. It has its moments of lapse, but for the most part, it stays entertaining. So it, it, it overcomes this moment where you kind of go, what am I watching? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do like Chris McDonald a lot in a lot of things. I just, yeah. uh, you know, this movie, again, they're just kind of letting him go for it, which is cool because he hadn't done anything like this up till this point. Right. Um, you know, um, you know, who knows? From there, we cut from the nighttime to it's daytime, right? It is daytime. And we're seeing downtown Phoenix. Phoenix or Tucson or whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, I thought, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't I remember. I think they're pitching Tucson a lot in this, but it, I think it was shot a whole bunch of areas. Palm was shot in Palm Springs. The movie was shot in two different cities in, in Arizona. And But it's again, stay light. We see some uh, some base jumper, right? <laughs> Jump off a skyscraper. 
We don't know who this guy is. And he's going in between buildings and everything. This is all legit, man. You know, there's some forced perspective to going on. So you're not, he's not really tight in between. These buildings aren't as close together as they make it look in the movie. But, uh, but this dude really, this really guy, this guy's really kind of shooting his way through these buildings in the city. And it's, it's pretty good stunts. Again, like we were talking about it's, and this is our first real stunt that we've seen other than oh, yeah. the standard fight that you saw in the apartment. Sees crowd of people and he lands off comes the helmet, but we don't really see anything. We just see the back assless chaps. And they kind of are alluding to the fact that he might not have had a front either. <laughs> Right, because they're covering a lot of eyes. <laughs> lots of lots of eyes getting covered because it's a kid's party. He starts spouting dialogue that makes it think he's there for some bachelorette party, and he is not. <laughs> <laughs> right? What's the line? She's eight years old. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. So there you go. Our base jumper and our introduction to Charlie Sheen's character here in this movie, Ditch Brody. Richard Ditch Brody. This goes to the thing we talked about before about 90s movies and the shitty names that screenwriters were given their lead characters that nobody would ever name their kids. Even nicknames in real life don't come ditch. Seriously, you mean Ditch when Brody. Richard and Dick just became Ditch. Right. Come on. God love the 90s for that, though. Yeah. Next time we see him, he's showing up on an, on an airfield. And he's Taxi. actually part, he's part of a diving school. Right. This is like the police chief chewing out Jack Cates in 48 hours yeah. or, or Axel <laughs> Foley or whoever. This is the equivalent of that moment right now. He's getting grilled and grilled because as you're finding out in between this. Also, there's some news broadcasts about the stunt that he pulled and that, the kind of trouble he's in with the FAA and friend, this is, he's been dinged numerous times by them for a whole bunch of federal violations and revolving involving his, his diving and, and base jumping and such. So she's on Chris Morrow here. She's super pissed because she, you're affecting everybody in the livelihood and we're going to get shut down. You kind of keep this shit up. It's important to understand the kind of trouble he's in with the feds because that plays a key point in what happens to him next. It's the exciting incident of the movie where we actually see everybody basically kicks it all into high gear, all tied to his fucked up. Get in your office, get that checklist that I put on your desk and fix all this shit. I'm not going to tell you again. Then we're into it. <laughs> I mistakenly mentioned. You called her that, Chris. That, you called yeah, her Chris. Chris. That's actually, that's, that's Natasha. That's her, your character name in it. So my, my mistake, her, it's uh what's your face? Karen. Karen. And the way he says it, he sounds exactly like Ray Liotta in Goodfellas. Karen. Yeah. I love that. I got to go do that. Karen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so him, he gets the riot act from her. Like we're, like we're mentioning. And well, as, he, as he's in there cleaning and cleaning his office in a kind of montage sort of way to the infractions, broken leg Max comes in and says, Hey, I need to schedule this. I just need to schedule this student's jump. Can you do this for me? Right. And he's like, I got a whole list from Karen, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, she's like, come on, can you just do it? Blah, 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 blah. Please. What's his name? He's a she. And then suddenly he perks his interest. Right. <laughs> Shocking. There's their introduction to Chris Morrow, the name I just mentioned. <laughs> but she is the beautiful woman that wants to go make... She wants to go jump out of a plane. She, you know, she, she's probably just turned 30. Yeah. And needs to go jump out of a, jump out of a plane. You know, he agrees to, to do this for, her. he's kind of, 
he's kind of like not wanting to, you know, he's still kind of, even though he's got this laissez-faire attitude about things, he's, he knows that he's kind of putting a bunch of people in jeopardy if he got stupid again since the other thing just happened. But he, he gets flirted with enough and he gets... He also doesn't want one of the other instructors to do it. Right. Because his ego. Yeah. And his libido. Yeah. His ego and his libido. His libigo. Libigo. That's another nickname you get from somebody in 1994 in a movie. Hey, look, it's Libigo. It's Libigo Jones. Probably. Stupid. Anyway, he agrees to it both, yeah, again, because she appeals to, to his ego by flirting with him a lot. Yeah. And by the way, she's she's a very beautiful woman, but man, she's never been much of an actress. <laughs> but she's she okay also, in this. Well, she's also playing it. Dude, I want to say probably this is the most believable like thing I've ever seen her in because she seems kind of kooky and sketchy. Yeah, it kind of works like, in her favor, obviously. Yeah, not yeah like it cat works people, for what she's doing. It works in cat people too, but she doesn't talk a lot in cat people either. So Or in Tess. Yeah. She's going to say that. <laughs> Jeez, why doesn't she talk a lot in Tess? <laughs> so, oh i don't know Corey. we would have to watch it again i don't need to watch it again i'm not going I, to i can tell you if it's better remember to remember better it was never it was nothing never better re- about it never remembered is how i like to think about it perfectly <laughs> dude they end up up in the plane man they're up there and and, the, and who's flying them melvin van peebles melvin van peebles i love melvin he's so great it was so funny we were just talking about him um, talking about Mario, and then right. here, here he is inadvertently, and I and I completely forgot about it until you like mentioned you're right watching him. How oh, I love Melvin! I'm like, oh shit, I forgot he was in this. Yeah, totally. So they they open the plane and off they go, and there's something that catches Chris's eye. You know, she like she sees another plane, right? And you don't really think anything of it. And begin if you're if you've never if you've never done a jump before, you're not thinking anything of it. If you've done a jump before, you're like, what the hell is that plane doing there? <laughs> right. So he goes up front to talk to Noble as pilot, you know, that Melvin's plane. And just to make sure, you know, everything's good with the, with the plane before they get ready to, to jump out. We got company, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Chris is gone. Out. Nobody in the plane. She just jumps. He's like, what, the f- what happened? And he looks out the window and he just sees a body falling, right? So he jumps out. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Right. He goes, he's a, he's look, he's a carefree guy, but he's not gonna let somebody die. So he, right. That's his jump, ass jumps out and off he goes and they tumble and he's doing his best to like, to, uh, to just do a speed dive at, at her to try to catch her. And then unfortunately he doesn't reach her in time. No, man. And that's a good bounce too. When you get to, when the, <laughs> yes. uh, when it, it, I want to say it doesn't look like a dummy no. when it bounces. No, and that's a funny thing too. Um, and this is why the movie's called what it's called because they, they actually say the name of the movie, which is another th- great thing from the '90s. It's and it works perfectly too because you part of you just going if, again. If you don't know what terminal velocity means, when you see the movie, you have it explained to you. So you see the movie, and you're like, "Oh, terminal velocity—that's a great name for a, an action movie from the '90s." And you get there and you're like, well, what does it mean? And you get an explanation. It actually does mean something. It's not just a cute name for a movie. Right. That's what happens to this body that hits the ground. <laughs> it's terminal velocity, man. Just You just basically, when you hit the ground, you explode. <laughs> it's, right. Nothing left. Yeah, there's a death. And, 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 and actually, quite, let's, let's be honest for a moment here. It doesn't matter if Ditch works at this this place and he has all these federal marks against him. Any diving school is going to have a death. It's going to get shut down. Which is Absolutely. what happens here. 
So it it happened. School gets shut down while they're investigating the death because it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's Ditch or one of the other dark uh, one of the other the uh, instructors. The school's getting shut down anywhere, so yeah, it's man. not it's not necessarily tied to the fact that Ditch was the one overseeing it. It's just getting shut down. Period. No, there's an investigation, and uh, you you're shut down for a minimum of I, I would imagine. I don't know the I don't know the exact amount of time, but I'm sure it's you know six weeks, eight weeks, however long it takes to yep. run their investigation. So, right, everybody's so, at a work ditch. Yeah, yeah. So everybody's giving him a hard time. It's like, well, that would have happened anyway. But the, yeah. but because of his track record, they're blaming him because he's so whatever about everything. So they figured he was being sloppy with how he was overseeing that jump. Right, we got no witnesses because Noble didn't see anything. He was flying the plane. He's I never the saw plane. you hook him in, son. Never saw it. Yep. That, so it's a great. So scene. now you now you're convinced. Like, wait, wait a second here. Maybe he maybe he did screw up. Maybe he was distracted by you know her right. flirting. Because I kind of was like, I kind of was like, did I ever? Did they ever show him clip her in? I remember him trying to get her to sit between his legs, and she no. was like, not having that shit. No, um, no, and then and because yeah, that was because they didn't want to. She was like, didn't want to be buckled to him. Right. They were, they were doing, yeah, they did a great job of selling even to the audience, which is nice. Cause you know, that's, that's, oh yeah. It's believable storytelling when you, when you're actually pulling off, you know, not showing everybody everything. It's always the worst thing we talked about earlier, but the phone call, when you get, you're cutting back right. and forth. I don't need to see both sides of the phone call. Nope. Never. Give me smarter dialogue. I only have to hear one side. Good enough. Yep. I think they do that for actors. Cause actors all want their coverage. Cause everybody wants to chew. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So Ditch is like super guilty about it, you know, and he's not sure about what happened because he's so sure that he was safe. He knows. He was so, he's sure of it. Right. He may take risks when it comes to doing certain, certain, certain things when it pertains to him. But when it comes to him having other people around where it's on his watch, he's far more careful. And that's kind of what they were alluding to before uh, when he's getting his ass chewed out. Right. But now he's really, he's confused because he thinks that he, he's sure that he, he's, he clipped her in and he's sure that something fishy is going on. So he's kind of digging through her stuff because it's still in the locker, you know, from when they, when they suited up. So he's going through Chris's crap and he finds her keys and he figures and he sees where she lives and she goes, oh my gosh, it's the same fucking apartment we saw in the beginning. So she is the roommate. She is the person right. that the girl was talking to. And that's when you're kind of making that funny connection. Like, boy, they sure looked a lot alike. Now we know something's nutty because she's dead. Now we're saying maybe, maybe she, maybe she was clipped in. Maybe she jumped out herself. Maybe she did that all on her own. Right. But you know, we saw, but we saw a body, man. We saw a body hit the ground. We saw a body hit the ground. We didn't see another body parachuting out anywhere. No. And you would have. <laughs> right. I mean, they, you know, you can only fall so fast once you pull that cord. Right. He's he's still in the apartment and Kerr is there. Oh right. And Kerr attacks him asking him, Where's, where's the, the body? Where is she? Where's the body? Screaming. He's like, he's like oh, what are you talking about? Where's the body? Well, we know the body he's referring to, but Ditch sure the hell doesn't know what the hell. Right. He doesn't know what the fuck yeah, he has no idea. So again, more confusing. Like, wait, where's the body? And, and again in the moment you don't think about <laughs> Yeah, in hindsight you know what body's talking about, but you just you don't get where we last time you saw her, she was in the shower. Yeah. Drowning. She drowned in the shower. Ditch gets away from Kerr after you know, struggling with him. He's not much of a fighter, by the way. That's one thing we got to talk about. He's a lot like John McClane in that he's in a bad place. He's not in a, 
he, he has no idea what's going on. The difference is McClain, though, he's experienced being in law enforcement. He knows how to fight a little bit. You don't see Charlie Sheen fight. Does he even throw a punch in this movie? Uh, maybe. Yes, I think he he's does. more wrestling. Yeah, he does, more wrestling. kind of, at the end. Uh, but we also forgot the fact that he was an Olympic gymnast. Okay, yeah, that's something they mentioned during the news report when he does the base jump. Right. An 80s and a late 80s and early and uh, mid-90s stable, right? Of talking about things that have nothing to do with anything. Uh, but it's it's to set up a couple bad jokes about haircuts and what? a really and a really bad Photoshop Sports Illustrated cover. But really, it's a setup for a bad joke at the end. That as well. Towards the end, but and it it's just kind of like. It, does it also help out with some of the uh, the acrobatics that we that he gets into later? I mean, don't we kind of think, oh well, he could have done that if he was a gymnast. Uh, You'll know what I'm know. talking about when we get to it. I don't want to blow it right now, but it it just feels it, it feels, feels one very of those, forced. Like it's, it's very it's intentional. a very forced element to the story. <laughs> yes, and that that's Photoshop. That cover is bad. It's that like Bart Connor's body with Charlie Sheen's head on it. <laughs> yes, it's one of those ones that you would go get when you're like at, you know you go to the fair. Yes, <laughs> here's hey, my I'm twenty bucks. Put my face on the cover of Inside Sports. Yeah, man. <laughs> put me on ESPN the magazine. After he escapes Kerr and, the, and uh, Chris's apartment, he's approached by uh, Ben Pinkwater. Here's our introduction to Mr. Gandolfini. He's playing assistant district attorney Ben Pinkwater, right? Another <laughs> bad name. Yeah, it really is. Again, 90s Pinkwater. names. Pinkwater. Which I thought was, again, kind of it comes into play later on. I, I, I get yeah, the yeah, writer's reasoning okay. why it's yeah, called totally. that. Because he's not so, red. He's not Russian red anymore. No, he's, he's milky, he's milky Russian. <laughs> he's just letting ditch know, man, you're kind of screwed, man. You're looking at some manslaughter charges for Chris's death. And, you know, he's getting smart with pink water and he's like, look, man, I'm, I can walk away and, and, but I'm the only one that's here help trying to help you out right now. So you gotta, you gotta help me out here. You gotta be straight with me as much as possible. Right. He's asking him for video or did she say anything? I mean, he's asking a bunch of weird questions, which anybody who wasn't like, you know, didn't take so many blows to the head might've been like, why is a guy asking that kind of shit? Right. <laughs> but Hey, whatever, man. He's also nervous because he might be going to jail. Uh, he's going to lose his livelihood and he thinks he killed somebody. So I'll cut him some slack. Eventually, the, the, their exchange is over, and we see Ditch taking a look at the footage from the fall. He's like, he found some video video footage. He's checking it out from uh, from somebody gives him a tape, and he's checking it out. And he gets and he's checking it out, and he sees another. There is another plane. That's that plane that Chris saw earlier. That's kind of weird, right? So he, then he, but then he he hears a noise. He hears a plane, right? So he steps out of the hangar and looks up, and there's that plane. It's the same plane. We're assuming it's the same plane. <laughs> some some single engine, yeah, some single engine Cessna kind of type thing flo- floating around there. There it is. So what right. does he do? Yeah, it's the same plane. Sure. <laughs> he hops on a motorcycle and chases after him. This is where I went. This is Hot Shots Part Three. Steals a motorcycle. Right, dude. That's that's why this movie kicks so much ass. Is because because what you else could he chase it with? Like right. Right. What else? Right. What else He's would he ditch. get onto? A fucking motorcycle. <laughs> right. He's Ditch. Ditch Brody. He'll get enough car use later on, but this is motorcycle time. Right, because he needs to be on a motorcycle now because there's two big car stunts later on 
Oh yeah. That, it's time for that, bikes. We can't have too much car. Cause there's a movie called terminal velocity. You can't overdo yeah, the car. Totally. Thing. No, no, no. You got to show them as a, yeah, you do, I mean, look, there's, there's some special car stuff coming up. So we'll get, we're on a bike now and he's following, it's easier to follow that plane across uh, uneven ground and off roads on a motorcycle anyway. And he goes in there, he's seen these postings up on the wall, news clippings. And one of the clippings he finds is about him and his, and his base jump, like what the hell? And some big dude comes up behind him and starts choking yeah, him out. Weird. His ass. Again, not a fighter. Not, not that he was going to do well at all against this monster that was attacking him and choking him out. Right. And not a fighter. They kind of, and their, their, their exchange, he starts asking him dumb questions of the guy who was beating his ass. And there's Chris. She comes walking out and answers his question for him. You're like, what? You're not dead? Well, that's a partial, that's a partial relief. I didn't kill somebody, but what the fuck? What? <laughs> Lady, what the fuck is going on? So then she starts explaining the whole situation to him as far as what happened and whose body <laughs> was in the jumpsuit that bounced on the ground. And, you know, and she basically comes clean that she totally set him up. Yeah, it sucks that I did this to you. It blows. I know. But you know what? I don't, I don't care. <laughs> right. She doesn't really give a shit. But she's saying that she does. Right. And she tells him, you know what? I'm going to, and promises him, I am going to clear your name with a photograph that says, you know, that you didn't kill me because here I am, I'm alive. But he has to agree to a nighttime jump at this aeronautics plant with no explanation whatsoever what they're, why they're doing it. Right. <laughs> right. Cause uh, if, no. Right. Get your jumpsuit on and get in the plane. What the fuck? Fuck you. I'm not getting in that plane. Oh, yes, you are. I'm going to tell you. And that's what's so weird, dude, by the way. Sheriff Cable is going to put your ass in that plane. How was she going to pull off the thing that she was going to pull off at the aeronautics? Right. What if he didn't follow that plane? Yeah. Because of that, that cliffhanger opening, dude. She knew he would come. They had been, they'd been, they sized him up. Yeah. She had his number. They, they both do their jump and he, she's, she convinces them to try to land on top of a smokestack. Okay. There's no on top of a smokestack. Dude. <laughs> What a can you land on that tower? I'm like, that's not a fucking tower. Wait a second, dumbass. Yeah, hit it dead center. Dead center. Unfortunately for him, his, there was his no shoots got hooked uh, on on something, and so he didn't just fall a hundred feet to the ground <laughs> to the right? into the ash. By the way, I don't know how those facilities work, but where's where's the ash coming from and smoke from a fire? Right. Where's the fire at? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, but there was no smoke coming out of it. I anyway. know, I know, but I'm just saying, it's very confusing. Right. Also, was it was it was it just like was it a dummy facility? It was just like. Well, uh, maybe it could have been a dummy facility, but remember when he comes out of the trap door at the bo- at the bottom? Yeah, he's covered he's in covered soot. And pigeons. Soot. So I mean, so it's been used for something at some point, and it had to have been active because you see her uh, employee of the month plaque. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was all just like a big like just a big, it's front all a show. for something. Yeah, I don't know. I we mean, don't know. We don't know what to show yet. Anyway, we 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 think this right. is all legit because again, they're still selling that this is all above board. <laughs> the weirdest thing we have right now is that yeah, I put my dead roommate in the to convince you that you kill somebody. <laughs> oh, that old ploy. Chris and Ditch infiltrate this facility. Obviously, we know he's on the right side of the fence because he's claiming the smokestack. But she lands where she was supposed to. There's a truck there and she changes out, throws her chute in the back of the thing and she kind of gets her tools. 
to kind of break in and turn off the security system. And they end up stealing um, and some optical disc. And you don't know, you don't, again, you don't know what the hell it's for. So you're like, Not well, yet. again, we haven't been told anything and we're kind of getting spoon fed things. Thankfully, it's not, it's not dialogue. <laughs> it's pretty spoon fed visual stuff because God forbid you start, you give me an action movie, you start talking a whole bunch and I'm like, yeah, I'm tuning out. Oh, I love the fact they don't, there's, I, I love the fact there's not a lot of exposition they show you. And I mean, I would rather a good foot chase and fist fight than a bunch of meaningless dialogue. Yeah. Cause who cares? <laughs> We're going to get that shit later. Just keep yeah. entertained. Dish sees that Kerr and his men get there. At least they're just open gunfire on him and he and it forces him to take off and just, again, trying to save his skin. So he's, <laughs> every time he turns around, man, Shooter McGavin was trying to kill him. Yeah. That, that's terrible. And he has no idea what the fuck Shooter is so pissed off about or what he wants. He's looking for a body. Now he's looking for this f- cylinder. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. I, if I feel bad for poor Ditch. I feel like <laughs> it's time for, I feel like it's time for a base jump right now. Yeah. I need a base jump. <laughs> He gets back to the school safely, and he, he, at this point, man, he just wants his name cleared. So he he feels like once he comes to, he makes sure, you know, he, once he agrees to meet with Pinkwater, he and Chris show up there to try to, you know, to, to for her to say, like, look, here he is. I'm not, here I am. I'm not dead. So, so like I said, when they, they meet up in the scrapyard, and Chris is having a conversation with, with Ditch. She's walking for the exchange. She's talking to him in the headset, and he's not answering. And that's where she starts to freak out. And she's like, Lex, Lex. And she goes back and she opens the thing and Lex is dead. And then out from, you know, the back of the plane comes James, I hate women, Gandolfini. Yeah. And he attacks her, kicks the shit out of her. Yeah. Two years in a row on, on two big movies, <laughs> James Gandolfini is beating a woman, like not dude, in, in, a, in a way that you would be in, you'd be like feeling it for a dude getting his ass kicked the way he does yeah. in both those and movies. And he looks like he's enjoying the shit out of Yeah. Him. And it's not, and again, fast forward to Sopranos. I mean, he has fair share of that too. He was act. He's very good at it. Yeah. I remember. I remember when I saw Terminal. The first time I saw it, I just kept flashing back to the bathroom scene from the Safari Inn at In True Romance, and I was right. like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. And here we are again. It's terrible. We eventually find out later on that Chris isn't who she says she is, and she's. <laughs> She's more right. than she's more than deserving of an ass kicking, and there's no. It's not really a still a spy versus spy kind of situation. It's not. Yeah, totally. It's not as is, it's not as nasty as you think it is. It's not like it is in true romance. Right, because he talks into after he kicks her, he talks into his walkie-talkie, and like it's again, it's like the moment in Lethal Weapon <laughs> yeah. when uh, when when they're trying to save Tracy Wolf from, and she's in the limo, and she's with Joshua and. And yeah. Danny Glover's standing there. We got rigs. We got rigs. And we got rigs. We got rigs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that whole moment happening yeah. just in a small, but it's, it's still, it's very effective and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. This yeah. whole sequence. I don't even, I don't even think in the moment you would be feeling the lethal weapon vibes the way you do if it wasn't for that score, man. No, a hundred percent. It's the score. And it's something I never really noticed until yesterday. Yeah. It's crazy how, I mean, how on the nose it is. You get that all the time with trailers, like we mentioned, that, that that major cue that they use in all four Lethal Weapon trailers, they're using in this one as many other action movies used. It's either that or Aliens, you know, the alien, right. the Ripley's Rescue cue, one of yep. those two things. Take that score out of there and you might not think about it unless you're having a conversation with your buddy later on. I'm like, oh my gosh, you realize something that dicks Y and Z and then you're like, well, of course right. 
Yeah, I mean the the the, cue, the the sound cues in this are like it's. I mean, it, I, I I enjoyed the movie on a whole nother level yesterday. <laughs> there ends up being a major gunfight now, <laughs> and there's not a whole lot of firearms on the side of Chris and Ditch. <laughs> no, in this in this firefight, so they make a run for it. We get to see the rocket car in the beginning. From the, from, the, from the beginning of the movie that we didn't talk about. Right. And he's been told by his boy how fast it goes. <laughs> it's so right. Neat. He's been told by his buddy who is not James Brolin, but could have been. Could have been. And this is what I was saying earlier. It's like he's on a motorcycle because we have some really cool car stunts later. And this is the first one. So they hop in this rocket cart on a track and they just hit it and then they take off. <laughs> Dude, I thought it was great that he knew how to start it. Right. But had no idea how to control it or what was going to happen right he just knew how to turn it on and that's a point there's a that's actually a plot point while they're shooting down the track and she goes how do you make it stop (laughs) well well (laughs) the big bags of sand that are coming ahead are there to help us the giant happy face will stop us (laughs) so you see this coming up and you just you're like oh they're done and so what they do uh they pull the escape lever and they go shooting in the air and this moment is directly out of die hard to die harder yep Exactly, and then I'm glad I mean, you brought it up. because They even turn the same way. I know, the like when he turns and they, they fall back down with him screaming. Yes! Yeah. I know. <laughs> Fantastic, though. Yeah, it's a great moment in this movie, and it's and it's still a great movie, moment, even though it's a direct vibe off of, off of 92, right? 92? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. 92. They, they end up landing on the middle of the desert, and they find, again, another... <laughs> Another desert shack. Another desert shack. Because they're all over the desert out there in Arizona. All, all over in Arizona, man. Don't you remember my science project? This is where Chris reveals that her real name is Krista Moldova. Oh, my gosh. She's former KGB. KG used to be. She's, you know, she used to be because it's the collapse of the Soviet Union now, so they're all like free agents. This is giving us a little bit more information, and we find out that these guys falling in with the Russian mob. Pink water and and Kerr and everybody you see pursuing and doing all and imposing all their violence on everybody, they're part of the these dudes that are working for the Russian mob now. They're having their bonding moment now. That he's starting to care about her. She's revealing this. My family is still in Russia, and I'm concerned about their lives because if I don't do this and get them out safely, these guys are going to take over Russia. There's going to be a coup and. My family, my three-legged dog, all of it. <laughs> Tripod. <laughs> Tripod. Watching them kind of bond and everything like that, and they got they got this bottle of tequila, and they're sharing it, and which is because you know that's what you want to do. Let's get completely yeah, you hammered. Get fucking hammered. Lay Let's, on the floor in a shack while you're being pursued by the Russian mob. Right, and she swallows a worm. Uh huh. And then a great line in the movie and using the trailer. I've been trained to swallow lots of things. <laughs> Yeah. In his line, uh, I think I might marry you or something like that effect. Yeah, something like that. 90s humor. Yuck, 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 yuck. We're finding out more information now because she stole this disc that we don't know what the hell she stole it for. But where is the disc? Uh, it was in his car uh, or was not. His car gets blown up and all those shenanigans before the escape with the rocket car. And he goes, oh, you mean you're looking for this? And she gets all pissed at him, right? Son of a bitch. They use the optical disc to kind of figure out where the plane is. 
Right. And he still thinks that it's just it's full of... It's got to be somewhere it's gotta where be, you could land a giant plane and right. hide it. He's thinking it's nukes. It's the, it's the Russians. Yeah, nukes. What else the Russians it's have? It's got to be what it is, right? So they use the disc, they use this locator to find where the plane is. Oh, look at that. What a big, big, that was tough to find. <laughs> Oh, it's wow. just a few miles from here. What you couldn't yeah, find. There's an old airplane graveyard out on the highway. Maybe it's a meetup. That's where I died it. Corey. Yes. So they get to the plane and she notices like, oh, look, it's booby trapped. So she puts a couple of alligator clips on there, cuts the wire and they climb inside. Yeah, that would. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's just skip that. Yes, she does. No, she does that. But that, we've already gotten lethal weapon and lethal weapon one and lethal weapon three. Right. Because, you know. You know, cut the cut the white cut the blue wire. Oh yeah. So you get that moment in there. But you did we skip over Lethal Weapon Two? No, Lethal Weapon Two homage is coming up. <laughs> oh yeah. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. It's coming. All the, the flight attendants are dead in the corner. And he's so and he keeps saying, Oh my gosh, it's nukes, and she's not correcting him. And I say you're not correcting him because it's not nukes, and we're about to discover why it's not. So he right. stays up front and she goes in the back, has a little laser pointer thing and it like scans and it opens up these flight cases and you have your Pulp Fiction moment too, by the way. Right. <laughs> well, this was, is before, this is before Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. Maybe a couple months before. Yeah, but it, it had a, but it had a, it had a real early release with the, with, with can. It was shown before that. Didn't matter. And I'm not saying necessarily anything, but it, it seemed too much like it. But you get this gold shimmering light on her face. Charlie walks up. We do the insert shot, and it's just bricks and bricks. Of Russian gold. Russian gold, y'all. There's your lethal weapon to Kukaran reference. Yep, yep, yep. They have no qualms in this movie <laughs> from taking little ingredients here, little ingredients no. there, little ingredients there. Yeah, somebody the loves lethal weapon. This is one of those times, though, where somebody thought, let's just take all those elements that people enjoy about those other movies and put them together, and it actually works. Usually that gumbo tastes like shit, but this one right. works. Yeah, no, no, man. I'm digging it. I'm eating it. So while they're in there, Pinkwater and his flunky show up, and a couple of them hop in the plane and start shooting the joint up, right? Yeah, as they will do, those Russian, those, uh, Russian henchmen. Somehow. <laughs> somehow. They don't the, hit anybody. The escape. Somehow. Because something we don't point out earlier is they're on foot. Yeah. When they when they went from the abandoned Rocket building car to, to the, building. the airfield, they, they ran there. Yeah. Well, they're, you know, he's an ex-gymnast and she's, you know, KG used to be. Very good shape, both right. of them, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> and they just had a half a bottle of tequila each. Right, because that's what you want to do. You want to go run. I always for... run after I drink a bottle of tequila. I right. just literally, I can't help myself. <laughs> and and they're, when they do run, by the way, they even talk about how far away they are and how long it's going to take them to get there. We're an hour away. Right. For... <laughs> Is that on foot or just an hour? Man, I don't want to run for five, four and a half, five miles in my 20s after eating anything. Forget about consuming half a bottle of tequila. Now, again, right? she's, you know, she's probably born and bred on vodka, but dude, the yeah. worm, man, if you've ever had the misfortune dude. of having that. And you know, he's got a serious case of blue balls and it is really hard to run with blue balls. Yeah. He's just saying that feeling in the pit of your stomach. No way. Right. He's probably sporting wood anyway, just being happy that he didn't kill somebody. Yeah, totally. They end up in this small town somewhere in Arizona and they go into this diner and they're kind of having at it because... Ditch is getting... He's had it. He doesn't... He 
what's yeah he feels like he's been lied to he's you know she's not been truthful with him at all um you know she's made it very clear that he's not very smart <laughs> and right. he can't i think he's, she's kind of bruised his ego as well and we already know he's a sensitive you know narcissist <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't like when people all narcissists <laughs> so a sensitive narcissist the two of them are just yelling at each other back and forth and, you know, drawing attention from, you know, drawing everybody's attention inside this diner. And she kind of walks off and he's kind of settling in, having some black coffee that gets served up by the, the waiter. While he's doing that, we, we stay with her and she sees a photo booth and grabs a newspaper and walks into the photo booth. Now, we don't know necessarily what he's what she's doing. Uh, we don't see it on screen. We don't really know why she's doing it, but we know why she's doing it. This is like maybe she's going to provide that proof that that he needs to say, look, she's not dead. Again, I don't know how that provides proof. If there's just proof of life when there's in, in a in a kidnapping scene. But not, oh, yeah. Always the old newspaper gag. I mean, what do right. they do now? Hold up their cell phones? She does this and she pieces out and she gives him back his wallet and off she goes and she runs off. And he goes to pay for his food. That's when he discovers the photographs that she took. And then he's like, oh, wait, she's not doing me wrong. She's trying to take care of me. I need to go after her and help her. That's not what you do, but whatever. Just another, just another trick from the KGB. Yeah. She's been lying to you and fooling you this whole time. She's, you've been manipulated the whole time. Why would you think this is more manipulation? You don't follow her. You let her go, man. <laughs> if she dies, look, then she, she dies for real. But not by your hand. So off she goes. Um, all right, I should correct myself there. He finds this when he's about to get on the pay for his bus ticket. You know, he's right. like, yeah, he's and then this is when he finds the the, the photograph, the strip of photographs. Yeah. yeah, and it was really funny too. It's, it's just it just says she wrote on the newspaper. Ditch, is a, ditch did, not, did not kill me. <laughs> I'm like that doesn't necessarily exonerate the man. No, not at all. <laughs> but because you show me in any way, a, shape, or form. Let's just talk about that for a second, right? Lee Harvey Oswald? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. Anyway, so, well, Ditch is like, oh, man, I got to help her. So he steals a yellow Corvette in this small town, right? Right. From the car wash. Right. They, and they've just snatched up Chris and Pinkwater and his team. Oh, and yeah. So he, he chases after him in a yellow Corvette. And here you see homeboy wearing his Corvette jacket. He says, I have a car just like that as it speeds down the street. I have a car just like that. <laughs> what, the small town? You you don't recognize it's your yellow Corvette, you moron? Yeah, well, that's just one of those bad 90s moments. That's a, that's a Con Air joke. <laughs> yeah, totally. They, but three years Con later, they, re, they recycled it for Con Air. Yeah, terrible. Dude, there's a lot of dialogue in Con Air like we talked about earlier. They had a, they yeah, had a, lot, a lot of soundtrack to fill in. Good God. They put her in the trunk. Hell yeah. Right? <laughs> of uh, there's a red caddy, wasn't it? The convertible? Oh, yeah. Just, Classic, just shove her really, in there. They don't make these anymore. No. <laughs> it's so bizarre, right? Right. Well, you can't have her just, you can't be driving around with Natasha Kinski, like no. blonde hair blowing in the convertible. Right. This is where we get our aforementioned scene with, with Rance Howard. Yeah. Playing Chuck. He's a, he's a biplane stunt pilot. <laughs> He's like a barnstormer. <laughs> right. Ditch approaches him, pretending to be an FAA agent. Right, because he looks the part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Rance, you know, looks at him and says, well, let me see your ID. And he goes, we don't have any time for that. We don't have time for that, man. I'll show you my ID when you're at a hearing. 
telling you why you didn't react and you let this all happen. And at that point, he gets deputized. <laughs> Dude, I love the fact this is this is such a thing that only somebody from the 90s, somebody our age would probably know is when Chuck is trying to put in his calling card number into the payphone. Yes. Because nobody knows what a fucking calling card is anymore. No. I think I still have like some expired one, you know, in oh, a we box still, well, in my garage. I think I still got a bunch of them. Well, when Joey went to camp last year, we got him a calling card to, to call us because they only have, they don't, they only use the, the, the pay phones there. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's they like, do it's, exist. Boy, I was surprised, dude. When I went to, we went to CVS to buy one and like they're out a shit ton of them. It's, they still, I mean, it's not the 90s anymore where they sell them like that, but they still sell a lot of them. And then Rite Aid, CVS, Walgreens, they make a killing. Because they're That's open, always open late. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. So Ditch convinces him, "Hey, man, take me up in your stunt plane. Let's gotta, go, man. We got to go after that, that seven. Because of the seven forty-seven, we got to stop that. <laughs> okay, so ridiculous. And it's got a really great line. He says, "I need you to get right up there." And he goes, "You're crazy. Are you crazy? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, yes, I am. The best. By the way." Name one line from this movie, like one punchline, one one zinger that's not in that trailer. They're all in the trailer, yeah, like every course. one, because like Pack we said before, the bags, we're going on a guilt trip. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> the movie is very efficient with the dialogue. We get Always. our exposition is all visual. We don't give a we get a whole lot of explanation through words. So it's not surprising that all the best lines in the movie are used in the trailer because. That's all they got. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of other dialogue. No. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, now I mean, him and dude, this whole sequence with him and Chuck is like fucking amazing. Yeah, um, it is. You know, you wouldn't see this now because on no. now now it's on a soundstage on on a blue or green, green, green screen. screen. Yeah, man. the plane itself, it's on a you know, it's on a turntable. There's nothing that you're seeing it's on right a now. Big gimbal. We're not. Yeah. yeah, we're not doing any of this stuff. Yeah, we're not doing any of it practically. Nope. They do a, a half roll and they're just flying upside down. <laughs> right. So that he can be in the right position. See, this is what I was saying is like, is this part of why he's a gymnast? So that we buy this piece on the barnstorming plane, like go upside down, Chuck, so that I'm on the right side of the wing and then fly. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. It, maybe. Maybe. If, and, you can, you're, because you're kind of waiting for that and talking about it right now. I'm like, why was there a line in there about, yeah, I used to do this when I trained. Or something like <laughs> Right. Well, we've already seen the magazine and we've they made the Russian gold joke. So we know that he was a gymnast. I just figured right. it was kind of like, and I got to say, I would take it this way nine times out of 10. Just show me these pieces. I don't need for him to say, hey, I used to be a gymnast. So if you turn the plane <laughs> upside down, I could flip around and then we can come around. Right. I, thank you. I get it all. I piece it all together in my own head. Right, because I'm not stupid. Thank you, Darren Serafian, Charlie Sheen, and Terminal Velocity. It's funny, too. I got to annoy. I got to make another note. Because when they get the plane close enough, and then Charlie, like, is able to grab on the back of the cargo hold of the, you know. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, hanging there for a long time because he doesn't want to be seen because they're standing by the back of the Cadillac, which is now on the on the plane. Right. And they're just throwing Krista into the trunk again. Like, why'd you take her out of the trunk? They took her out so they could extract the information, or so Gandolfini could beat her ass some more. That's really all they (laughs) took her out for. Well, Um, I have more more questions for you here. Right. I have some more questions that you're not going to answer, and I'm going to slap you. Um, This also (laughs) gets, this. see, this all gets very James Bond, The Living Daylights, this last sequence. 
Very much so. So once Chris gets shoved back into the into the Cadillac, he pulls himself up. Now, this is the only time in the whole movie I'm like, oh, dude, I don't care what kind of a gymnast you were. <laughs> After what you just did to get to the plane, you wouldn't be able to hang on for that long with how with, what, what kind of wind speeds you have up there. Right. Those things are probably doing, what, 300 miles an hour? <laughs> I, even if he had the capability of holding on to that bar as long as he does, Vice grip style, yeah. Dude, his 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 limbs could not take that. His whole no, no, the no, weight no. of his body yeah, would pull I, off. I, I totally agree, but it doesn't ever bother me. I never really thought about it, like while it was going on, because I was really weighed too into what was happening. I was having such a good time. I the, didn't remember it taking that long for him to climb into the plane. That's the yeah, light. man. It it went on for a bit. It was like yeah. okay, oh, oh so, not yet, huh? Okay. So he gets up there, and his limbs are still in their socket and everything, right? His arms haven't been pulled off. He starts to get in the car, right? Because everybody else is up front and they're kind of bullshitting up front. Who sees that? Like Kerr sees him, right? Kerr sees him and pulls up the shotgun and starts. Yeah. Kerr blasts the windshield out of his own car. Yeah. Get out of my car. He's screaming. Get in your windshield in Russia, dude. Oh, dude. And he's screaming. He's he's yelling his line at Charlie Sheen. I guess because it's real. It's noisy back there. Yeah, I accept his yelling this time because yes, of all the. I can all the noise. deal with it. This yelling in this, <laughs> not the yelling in the air. In, in the not apartment in someone's in the apartment. Beginning. Like you know, she doesn't live in the building by herself. You fucking idiot. <laughs> so good. So they they get into a fight for a little bit, and then what does Ditch do, man? He, he puts starts the car, the in damn car up, and they and then they go plumb up the back of the right with Kerr the, on the hood, which is completely nuts. This is but the it fucking, happens. Dude, this whole sequence is the best. Right. When, when the car goes out the back, back, why is why does Kerr jump on top of the hood? Because he's it's crazy. Like the car the car's gonna explode and when it hits the ground. He's crazy it's like he, Russian. It's his car. He just has to assume they don't make dead. him like that anymore. <laughs> he's got a personal vendetta. He wants to kill Charlie Sheen. All those things. All of it. It's also it's on the page. So one of the things too that we didn't I, I didn't point out was when Kerr's taking shots at him. He hits the blows the windshield, but it also hits a bunch of the avionics of the plane. Right. And then that's going to cause some malfunctioning of the 747, and it's forcing it's going to force them to land. Force them to land. Oh, Roger that. Oh, we're coming in hot. We're coming in hot. Right. All the while, while just the Cadillac is falling at terminal velocity. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still Towards kind the of, ground. And they're kind of fighting and, yeah, you know, through the, through the shot-out windshield. It's great. Yeah. Kerr and Ditch are fighting, and... Kirk gets knocked away, shooting his gun. <laughs> he flips over the car, and now he's shooting, and Charlie Sheen flips him off, yeah. as you would Yeah. <laughs> after all of that. Yeah. And then some gunshots. And off he goes. <laughs> he's not, that's the only time in the movie he doesn't yell. Yeah. Well, he deserves to. Well, he actually does kind of yell. He's yell? not yelling when he's dying. <laughs> Taking it like a man. So Charlie maneuvers his way to the back of the caddy because... Because Chris is still in the trunk. While the car, well, he first he pulls the, uh, tries to pop the trunk and he pulls the lever off. Yeah. Because I'm sure that, you know, the uh, velocity that is pushing the trunk, it's never going to open that way. This is my. Right. Uh, right. That's, that's fair. For the same reasons, I don't know how he was able to open the trunk even with the key. Correct. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. Neither. But hey, look, man, I'll go with it. Because it's the same mechanism. <laughs> it is. And the, and the car actually flips over, which would make it even harder because now it's upside down. Right. And you have all that direct pressure right on Correct. the trunk. Anyway, he gets her out. He holds on to her. Right. She holds on to him. Pops the chute. And, and the chute. We have a little problem with the chute. What happens with the chute? 
Well, it catches fire because they, they, <laughs> they, they, they only moments got out before the car hit the ground and exploded. And they, and they fly through the, uh, the remnants of the fire and the explosion of the car. And it catches right. the, uh, the parachute on fire. And now they're running out of uh, ground because they are up on a cliff top, of course. Right. Uh, because they're out in the desert. As they're coming down, because they pull a second shoot. Well, actually, before that, you see, uh, you know, windmill farms everywhere. You know, a windmill farm and all these windmills, you know, generating electricity. You see, there's something I, I didn't notice ever before. Every single one of the windmills is actively spinning. They had some decent wind hitting them. And it was, except one. Except for one. You saw that too, right? Yeah, totally. What was with that? I want to say they shut it off because I think that's the one that becomes the hero one. I um, feel, you know what I mean? No, I don't know. Because no. you can shut them off individually. It's really weird. Maybe one it, was broken at the time. Or well, it was, I, I thought, I, I went and I go, is this movie smart enough to them be a little foreshadowing there? Maybe, but maybe Someone not. Being, someone's being a little cute with the... You know, more metaphorical, not not foreshine, but more metaphorical. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. So they land near the uh, near at the nearby wind farm. Seven forty seven is forced to land, and you're just kind of like going, "Well, man, they better get away." You know, when the plane lands, all the law enforcement are just hitting, approaching the plane. Like, oh, those guys are all effed. But then out of nowhere, <laughs> boom! Kicked in the out of face. frame, boom! Somebody comes in and. <laughs> Kicks ditch in the face. Kicks ditch right in the face. And it's Pinkwater. He parachuted down. Yeah, because we Good didn't know him. he was a badass. Yeah. And so the two of them start, they start having a fight. But right, here's well, the thing. Well, first, he fucking grabs her and he fucking sticks her in the rib. The yeah, short and he goes, yeah, and he says, he pulls out the knife and goes, this one's for you, ditch. Because <laughs> he just basically is his smarmy way of saying, look, if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be standing here and I'm not, I wouldn't have to kill you. Right. So this is for you, ditch, ah! which I <laughs> did laugh. I thought it was awesome that he, you know, that, that that's the way it happened. I'm just going to murder you. Ditch, I'm doing this for you before I do you. He and Ditch start going at it, and, and but here's the thing: you're not just like with Patricia, Patricia Arquette. Arquette yeah. You're not going to beat him. He's too big. Yeah, he's a big <laughs> son of a bitch. But unfortunately, Charlie, in this case, does not have a corkscrew to stick in his foot and he a toilet seat to, to grab to beat the shit out of him, and then get shotgun afterwards. But no, what does he have? He just knows the location of the backup chute. That's correct. That pink water's wearing, and he pulls it. Wind hits him, and he goes flying back. And he gets sucked into one of the windmills and he becomes a stain that we don't see. (laughs) He becomes red dust, I'm sure. Yeah, we don't we don't get to see it because, again, PG-13 movie. I don't know why. I mean, now they would have shown it. But, you know, again, I didn't need it. Honestly, it didn't bug me that I didn't. No, 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 no. It was we know what happened. They did. Yeah, it was also a very, very intentional move to get their their rainy. You can tell. Also a very nice sound effect. Yes. Oh my gosh, because I had I had the the surround going on here too, so it's just it's a I had it cranked. It was such a great soundtrack too. And that's another thing a staple of these movies back then was just impeccable sound design oh, for yeah. this kind of stuff. Fifty million dollars, dude! Right? It's again, it's a, it's a spectacle movie, so I'm not surprised. But it's the little sounds, but yeah, what it is it's a, it's a nice big juicy sound. Basically. It, have their moment and they're like, oh, thank God we're safe now. Next shot, we see they're back at the school. Not they, but we're, we're back at the school and all his friends, the school's reopened and someone's all super excited and say, look, we got a postcard from Ditch. He made it. We're like, he made it? What the hell is he talking about? Made it where? 
He was. He didn't. He wasn't going to go anywhere. Where, where did Ditch make it to? We cut to Ditch and Chris in Russia. Hey. And they're getting commendations at the Kremlin for preventing the coup. <laughs> yeah, man, because that's what this shit was all about the whole it time. Was, it was all about preventing a coup by the these former KGB agents now working you know, Russian mob operatives. Call them operatives. I don't care if the mob or not. They're yeah. operatives. And then he gets called. Ditch gets called up by the president. And where the fuck are you supposed to yeah, be? Yeah, whatever. Fake you know, Gorbachev. Yeah, homeboy has given out. Yeltsin giving out the awards. Guy does finally get his Russian gold. <laughs> he gets his Russian gold. And Puts it, feels it around good. his neck. And then, and then dude's speaking Russian to Ditch, and he kind of like goes, all right, I'm going to give you some Russian back. And it translates as, buses don't work here. I'm an asshole. The best. And then they both, <laughs> they, the Russian, the, the prime minister looks at her, and she says, I think he hit his head too many times. And they both have <laughs> yes. a weird chuckle because they said it in Russian. So good. Yeah. We see her parents, right? And yeah. we see tripod. There's tripod the rolls up. Oh, how cute. And just to be sure that this isn't some location in Malibu with, you know, a hundred extras dressed up in Russian soldier uniforms, you show them walking along in, in the former Soviet Union, walking along a river where, dude, well, they're there. <laughs> this yeah. isn't, this isn't them selling off like some other location in, in Europe. No, this is there. They are there for sure. Again, you don't get, you don't do that unless that you're a Mission Impossible movie. You're not pulling that kind of crap off. Right? There's, there's no money for that anymore. No. And there's not a lot of it. And quite honestly, that whole Kremlin you know, ceremony could have been done here. Could have been done in San Fernando at the mission. And then, they, and then they just kept it super simple and say, hey, you two go hop on a, let's go hop on a plane and shoot this exterior and that'll be our movie. No, no. They, you, yeah. They had to spend that $50 million. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, because no, that's something that that was a staple back in the 80s and and that some people are like, wow, I can't believe that that actor or that actress makes such a shitty movie. I'm like, you know why? Because they got paid and they got to go make a movie in some exotic location back Dude. when you used to do location shoots. Let's talk about Navy SEALs. <laughs> right? How many different locations are shooting that movie? Yeah, totally. People make fun of Navy SEALs all the time, but I, you know what? I, I kind of love Navy I SEALs, it, but dude. I still loved it. I still love it. <laughs> I kind of totally love it. I'm afraid to put it on the show because I don't want to, I don't, I, I'm going to hold on to nostalgia of loving that movie and just leave it at that. I don't want to, I don't feel like I want to revisit it. Oh, I don't know, man. It might be okay. We'll, we'll talk about it one of these days. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. There's a line, by the way, that Gandolfini has in it when he's about to kill Charlie. <laughs> says Krista was a better man than you'll ever be <laughs> I know I was gonna say it when you're in the middle of it but that's dude I feel like that was like Gandolfini just threw that off the top of his head yeah she's, she's a better but, man than you'll ever be and the reason why I'm bringing it up is it's a great line because it takes a shot at the ego that in his ego here but it also gives them that some explanation of that the fact that he never his saw libigo? her huh his libigo yes that he doesn't have, that he doesn't see her the way the world sees it. He doesn't see her as a woman. No. In, in that way. He sees her as this person. She's an operative. She's an operative. She's a tool. It's just like, just like, just like Kerr, just except for less yelling. Yeah. And far less yelling. And, and smaller penis. But both blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. All right. Well, that's, that's kind of, that's terminal velocity. So let me ask you, better remembered or remembered better? Or, I mean, I think I like it more. I like it more. I like it more, even in spite of 
Mickey D's over overacting. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, look, man, he's Shooter McGavin. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's the thing. He he must have seen the movie after the fact because I've never seen him act that way in any movie since. No, God, no. No, because Shooter McGavin ends up being who he is. I mean, that's his. That's the man he plays. That's the character he plays from. Every, even like I said, even that Ballers episode show that I mentioned. That character, same thing. He's super chill. He's just a douche. Yeah, totally. He's not. He's not yelling at people. No. <laughs> he left that to. He left that to be movie actors. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's say like. So yeah. Uh. Let's say let's talk about. So Serafian, Darren Serafian, right. made three movies that I enjoy the shit out of. Right. This number one, mm-hmm. number two, Gunmen. <laughs> which was made the year before. And then he made maybe what I think is probably one of the better early Van Damme movies, uh, Death Warrant. Death Warrant's awesome. Yeah, Death Warrant's great. You got Robert Guillaume? Come on. And I think a lot of, and that's, by the way, I love seeing Robert Guillaume in a part like that. Yeah. But, you know, Benson has his badass moments, but not until he's Benson. Right. You know, once Benson becomes governor, that's when he turns badass Benson, where he just making shitty decisions that he doesn't want to make. And he becomes kind of a, well, he becomes a real politician at that point. He's not the snarky Benson on soap. No. And so, but that's a great lead into his, his character in death warrant where he's just, he's, we don't know. There not, was a, there's a big gap in time. Benson may have gone to prison. Yeah. That's, <laughs> right. all I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to play it. <laughs> Fair enough. I know I mentioned his name earlier, but I, again, the Hooker family has always been very much a staple in uh, Hollywood effects and stunt stunt team effects. But man, there his team shines in this movie in a big way. Even for a mid nineties actioner, it, he let's put it this way: I don't think without Buddy Lee Hooker's leading the leading this uh, all all the stunts in this movie, I don't know if you get an effective. Uh, scene like the biplane scene. I don't think it's going to work. Oh, no, I don't not think- at all, man. You need, yeah. They, they, no, I agree with you 100%. You don't get that with, uh, without somebody of that quality. Yeah. In that whole stunt team. It's funny now. I feel, I feel kind of like a, a certain sadness too with, like we mentioned earlier, so much of stuff now is just not being done anymore. It's because it's expensive it, to, to get movies bonded anymore when it has those kind of stunts because the attitude is like, look, we don't need to do it that way. We can, not only can we save a shit ton of money, we don't have to worry about bonding on some some dumb stunt. Just do it right there. Right. Most of the time, again, in, a, in that, if you're emulating the biplane scene in this, and then like you mentioned, it's on a gimbal, and it's still going to be raised because you still got to turn. You still got to allow the rig to turn, so you still have 20 feet off the ground. Granted, you get green, blue pads below, whatever. And you, but you still got doubles. You still got stunt guys because they're still having to be in the rigs. They're still having to do all that stuff. You know, you're, you're going to get more close-ups that feel that they're going to look the same. They're going to match well between the, when the stunt guy is on there, when the gimbal turns. But it doesn't matter. It Now, movies like this just don't get made with legit stunts in it. No. Just, just don't. And if you get any legit stunts... It's just f- fighting stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a bummer. And this is why these kinds of movies shine. And, and right now with everybody and their social distancing and being told to stay home, a lot of people are visiting these movies and movies from the 90s because they're all over Prime. They're oh, yeah. all over. Stars. Even if you don't own these movies. Right, right. 
especially stars, like stars we talked got, about recently. Oh, good God. Like we talked about this before, but man, stars is like. Stars is working. It's like a studio 80s, catalog, it's like catalog 80, in a video big way. Store. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, uh, look, let me, so what I want to ask you, there's, there was a kind of a reoccurring theme in the nineties, two films, very similar being made by opposing studios at the same time. Yes. So mm-hmm. this terminal velocity, it's counterpart from, uh, I think it was Warner Brothers. This was Disney, so maybe from Warner Brothers is John Badham's Drop Zone. Yep. Should we cover you, Drop Zone next week? We can cover Drop Zone next week. Uh, all right, so if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod. Or if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, you can actually follow me at Corey underscore Culp. I've changed my Letterboxd. If you already follow me, you don't have to do anything. You'll just see my name displayed differently. And I'm actually officially, I'm officially a patron now. So I get have some extra tools and everything like that. Because if you didn't, if you didn't make yourself a patron or became a pro status, I wasn't going to be able to change my name. So I had to do it. And I was dumb because I was using an old, screen name for when I had the previous podcast and didn't make a whole lot of sense anymore. Uh-huh. So there you go. Well, if you want to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck at Twitter or you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram or you can follow me at Tom Cody still at Letterboxd. Mm. I didn't change my <laughs> name. <laughs> Boo! Boo.